1: Um, let's, let's, um, let's continue. Let's keep going. Um, um, I'm going to ask you guys, um, do you want to hear some, 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 um, great pieces of advice or do you just want to dive into the shit? It's, uh, it's chat's choice. <laughs> catch uh the chat choice of either diving into shit or hearing some great pieces of advice <sighs> god i uh. because i want to actually um i've i've I, I um before i get streaming like i've uh, yeah let's hear some good news let's get hear some good fucking good news okay All right, we're gonna go to some good news this time, Um, or at least where we don't have to actually hear about um, um, just bullshit. Okay, so um, one of my journeys to the left was actually um, watching a couple different perfect uh, professors. Wow. One which Mark Blythe, which if you guys recognize the video, is the guy who talks about, um, and it's part of my intro, is um, he does the uh, talked about what happened with Brexit. Um, another one is um, uh, Professor Richard Wolf. Now, Professor Wolf actually is a very outspoken Marxist economist, he is somebody who always um, talks about how um, it's more. Beneficial economically to switch to Marxism and for the means of production, he has a lot of great things. He also has co founded um, a channel, Democracy at Work, where he does um, a show called Economic Update. Now, if you go back on my videos, you actually see where I've actually ca- covered some of this channel. But seeing that we're coming to the end of the year, um, this is not necessarily a criticism video. Um, but it's, um, it's a lesson that we can learn from the crisis year 2020. Let's go. This, new, this music
0: slaps! Welcome, friends, to another edition of Economic Update, a weekly program devoted to the economic dimensions of our Let's lives. Let's turn it up just a little bit. Jobs, incomes, debts, hours, and our children. I'm your host, Richard Wolf. I want now, since we're nearing the end of the year, to produce a list and go over it with you of some of the extraordinary events of an extraordinary year. More than most, we have been buffeted by major social changes, many of them bringing to a head problems that have been bubbling not far below the surface for a long time.
1: So this is actually interesting. Like If you actually go back and watch like news outside or things that doesn't just focus on around the U.S., you'll realize that a lot of the protests that we saw A lot of the economic protests, a lot of the brutality protests didn't just happen in the U.S. It wasn't just one city or just two cities. It was global. You saw countries where they threw out fascists. You saw countries where they threw out neoliberal concerns. Like It's not just a couple of cities in the U.S. No, this has been a global phenomenon fighting against a global rise of fascism or neo-fascism and the thing about it is people need to be aware that they're not alone this is the reason why you see a lot of unions uh, unionization was actually really good because people weren't alone and things are happening across the globe with a lot of these problems but let's i'm getting ahead of myself let's let's continue
0: and i want to approach them and talk with you about them by focusing on what the mass media, the mainstream media, have either failed to notice or handled in a way that leaves much to be desired. Let me begin with what will obviously be the appropriate starting point. Two nearly simultaneous crises hit this year. Uh, Hit the United States, but hit large parts of the world over this last year. And you know what they are. One is the economic crash of global capitalism. Here in the United States, it started, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, in February. A month later, in March, here in the United States, the second crisis hit. Exactly of COVID nineteen. Now, here is the thing: the
1: he said the U.S. the um, Statistics Bureau, Statistics of um, uh, Bureau of Statistics, said it was in February, but in truth, it was happening. The seeds of the economic crash. Were already happening the previous July, where the 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 the, the fuck the two, ten year versus two year bonds actually flipped for a minute, and the 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 thing about it is, it was happening before the crash, and it was happening before the actual crash, like it did in Black Tuesday or. or or, or, or any other times when you see the economic crash turns. The signs were already there. The signs were like just. And you saw people actually fleeing from the markets. Going to safe harbors. Like the US treasury bonds. And the shit was just happening. So. It was happening so. Out in the open. But the fucking media didn't say shit about it. But you saw that stock market going up. But yeah. Yeah, you're right. And not only has Walmart done anti-union propaganda, fucking Amazon actually have spies working for the company trying to, um, trying to find out what employees are saying.
0: I want to give the dates because right off the bat, here is a problem. COVID did not cause the crash. Exactly. It happened before COVID got here. The crash was worsened the crash was triggered in some places, but it wasn't caused by this virus. And that's itself one of the key lessons I want to underscore. Capitalism, as I have pointed out many times, and this is well known by economic historians, has been around a good 250, 300 years, starting in England and spreading to the rest of the world. Over that time, and everywhere, it has crashed, on average, every four to seven years.
1: And think about it, think about it. Every four to second years, Every, every four to seven years, you see a crash. And then they call it a recession. But sometimes, those crashes are so fundamentally fundamentally just horrible. It's fuck. Like, the crash that we just had before that, the housing crisis, which they did nothing but pump just extra liquidity, extra money into the system to, to make sure that, the hedge fund managers, the, the big banks were actually okay while everybody else on Main Street lost their homes, lost everything. It's so much so, you see all of these motherfucking big banks buy up homes that used to be owned by people. And it disproportionately affected black and brown people to the point where now the rental market is bigger than the housing section se- sector. And before the 2008 crash, the dot-com crash, they know what the fuck is going on. But every time it comes up that oh, it's just a, it's just a crash, it's just a small crash, it's built into the fucking system that crashes happen. And you know what the fucked up part about it is? When we had Keynesian economics, at least that fucking lessened the blow and extended out that time. But we're so much on laissez-faire capitalism that motherfuckers are are like, and they're buying into it like, it's just an acceptable risk. Sometimes they're billionaires and the rest of us deals with abject poverty. (sighs)
0: So often and so regular are these breakdowns that they have a whole host of names. I'm going to list them once and then not repeat them. Crash, bust, crisis, recession, recession, downturn depression you get the picture we have many words because we have unfortunately many experiences the COVID-19 crisis shouldn't be called that it's a capitalist crisis that has occurred together with a public health disaster exactly That's capitalism's worst nightmare that one of these crashes would happen in the economy together with something in another part of society and it would be too much that's what we're living through exactly crash happens every four to seven years and if the last one happened in the United States in 2008, guess what? We were already overdue. 2008, add seven years, is 2015. We got away with no crisis until 2020. The stock market and financial press were all aware that we were overdue. If it hadn't have been COVID, it would have been something else, as it always has been. Exactly. What was the reality of 2020? Two crises, <coughs> excuse me, overlapping, COVID and capitalism. But it was the capitalist system that made the response to these crises so bad. Let me explain. All
1: right. I love this explanation. I've heard this. I haven't watched this video before, guys, but I've heard this explanation. And listen to the way he explains it and listen to not only does it work for what's happening with COVID, but think about how it happens with grocery store stuff or different things that it, 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 and you'll hear it and you'll make sense.
0: We weren't ready for the virus even though we've had viruses throughout human history we've had a terrible virus in 1918 we've had recent virus disasters ebola mers sars i mean there is no excuse for being unprepared and what does prepared mean having stockpiled and produced all the tests all the masks all the gloves all the ventilators all the hospital units we need we didn't we didn't have them we still as i'm speaking to you don't have them why not do we have companies that can produce all of that yes but they didn't And you know why they didn't? Because that's not how capitalism works. They didn't because it wasn't profitable. Think about it. Understand Then I try to. It doesn't pay to produce, say, masks as an example. Produce millions of them, and then what? Stick them in a warehouse. In a warehouse, you have to pay for that storage. Then you have to pay for someone to monitor them, because if they get dirty, they have to be clean. If they wear out, they have to be replaced. And for how long will you have to expend money for all of this? Answer, who knows? The next terrible virus could be two years or 20 years from now. That's an enormous risk. It isn't profitable to do production like that and take such risks. So private companies who could have, didn't.
1: All right, so I'm going to stop him right here, and I'm going to give an explanation of what I mean by you can see it across the sector. Listen to what he said, and I know I got it at one and a half. So basically, he is saying that if we would stockpile shit, if we would stockpile shit instead of leaving it to private citizens to stockpile shit, literally. Companies would like, well, I'm not making any money right now, so fuck it. Oh, well. Why should I overproduce? This whole thing of, well, we need to create our artificial demand for it, but not too much. And as soon as it becomes too much, it's a fucking problem. Let's make it really something mundane. Something really fucking mundane. Let's say you have a video game company that is literally. In business to make video games to sell people and on their consoles. Sony, Nintendo, it doesn't even fucking matter. They all do the bullshit. You literally have it where they don't overproduce. Where they don't set a production line enough ahead of time to where there are shit sitting on the shelves. Because we've commodified sitting products on the shelf. Like literally... We've commodified people buying shelf space. And that shit is trivial. Yes, you, they make their money because they sell it to a store. But scalpers come in and buy the shit up. So the people who really want it are forced to deal with scalpers and shit like that. And that's trivial shit. That is trivial shit. Little trinkets, little knickknacks, collector's items. That's trivial shit. But what if it is, what if it's something more important? Like, I don't know, a run on toilet paper. It is the same shit that stores do for food, for toilet paper, for all that. Because they have what's called on-time delivery. On-time delivery means we don't have a back room, a stock, where shit can actually sit back there for a while. As soon as we get it in there, if you go into a store and you see that they, as soon as they get shit in, they putting the shit back up because they don't want to store the shit in the back. Even though they've built buildings where they have storerooms, they don't want to store that shit in the back because it's not up front. It's not making profit. And we live in a place where people are literally, where companies, excuse me, are literally like. If the trucks would have stopped, we have all would have been fucked at the beginning of this pandemic. And the trucks were so close to being stopped that the army has contingency plans for if commercial trucks are stopped. That's fucked up. And that is like,
0: yeah.
1: <sighs> Fuck, let's continue.
0: Because it wasn't profitable they invested their money in something else which is what capitalism urges them to do so we didn't have the materials ready we were unprepared because a private capitalist system works that way during the year i explained that we know this this is not a mystery what i'm telling you you know how we know it because there's another industry the military that works the same way private companies that cannot produce a missile put it in a warehouse monitor it secure it make sure it's operative and then what wait for who knows how many years until the next military need arises. No company's going to do it. Too risky, not profitable enough.
1: Well, all they do is buy a couple of senators and actually force some kind of conflict. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Let's, let's continue.
0: So we have a solution. The government comes in, buys all the missiles and tanks and airplanes, and then at government expense, that is at your and my expense, the government stockpiles it, monitors it, guards it, keeps it in order. Isn't that interesting? You know what this is called? The socialization of the costs of the military. But we didn't have a government that similarly socialized the costs of public health. And we are living the disaster that follows from that. This is a system in which the ideology of the governing party, both Republican and Democrat, is that somehow the private sector is best. Leave it to the private sector. You see, they are efficient and all of that. We are dying at record numbers because the private sector isn't efficient. It's one of
1: those things where some of the best things that you have in your fucking life We're government-funded. Memory phone, government-funded. Internet, government-funded. Fuck. Like, uh, the roads are government-funded. Like, but you want to privatize everything because privatization doesn't make things better. It doesn't even market it better. It just makes money for corporations. But fuck. capitalism good? Don't know. Let's continue.
0: At securing public health, it's a big fat failure at doing that, and the government, instead of compensating for the failure of private capitalism, made it worse by deferring to a private capitalism that was unprepared, and now to make matters worse, is similarly unprepared to contain the virus. Let me explain again. The solution to the virus, in terms that we have learned from other countries, much less wealthy than ours, is to lock down everything, stop everything. Share the burden with everybody, stop everything. We could have done that the way South Korea and Taiwan and the People's Republic and Australia and New Zealand and many others did to understand lockdown, shut it down, and then you can stop the virus and then you can resume your economy. No, we didn't do that in this country because the ideology, the government shouldn't step in, but nobody else can coordinate that. We should leave it to the private sector, said Mr. Trump and the Republicans, and the Democrats didn't say much different.
1: This is fucking true because everybody wanted my freedom i'm a gun-toting patriot for the country okay cool put on the mask and stay at home the fuck now you can't take my freedom like literally that is the shit that you fucking saw i i i let's continue let's continue
0: and so we left it to the private sector and you see you're living in or dying in the results Why didn't we have a lockdown? Because private companies didn't want to lose the profit. They wanted to keep functioning. They wanted you in the store. They wanted you in the office. They wanted you to do what was necessary to keep the economy going. And the end result is our economy isn't going. Because there isn't a trade-off between the two. There's no option. You've got to deal with the virus or it will deal with you. And we are the world's worst example of how not to handle a virus. And because of capitalists wanting to make money. Let me give you an example. The mass of people and the mass of stores can't pay rent. So we've allowed many of them not to for a while. But of course, that jeopardizes the landlords, whom they're not paying rent too. So they're in trouble. So what do they do? They try to offload their difficulty onto the banks from whom they borrowed and to whom they don't want to repay loans because their tenants aren't paying rents. And then the banks are in trouble and they... This is crazy. Stop it all. Tell the tenants not to pay. Tell the landlords, don't you pay. And take care of the banks with the Federal Reserve, which we know how to do. And so we lock everything down and we share the burden. Really, not just verbally, but really.
1: So this is what I don't get. There are countries all across the world that actually did better for their citizens. If you want to say Germany, Germany, like 80% of the unemployment was covered by the the, the, the their, their centralized government. But we don't even have to go across the fucking bond for this shit. You know Canada, US <laughs> USA North. <laughs> Somebody called it God that motherfuck was stupid. The fuck? In Canada, they were giving two thousand dollars a month and canceling rent payments because they cared about their citizens. God damn. This shit is just like in Canada is not as rich as we are. They're not. Fuck. Like ugh, fuck. Let's continue.
0: The government can do that. The government could have done that. Our government didn't do it. And that's not because the government is remiss. It is. But that's not the reason. The reason, again, is this deference to private capitalism as if it doesn't need, doesn't require the government to intervene. We are living through and we are dying as a result of this ideology of the capitalism first and foremost. Don't be fooled. As the costs, as they are mounting, of this deference to capitalism hits the minds of the American people, there will be a turn against capitalism that will shake it to its foundation.
1: So one of the things that people like Richard Wolf, people like his friend, Cornell, Dr. Cornell West, they're not like some of these doomers that you get or, or these people that's like, oh, let it burn all down. And like, no, they are literally saying, motherfucker, like change or they will be coming. That's the thing you like people who have generally seen and lived through some of the harshest shit or have actually been to see people suffer through like some of the worst shit in the world. Fuck, forgive me for these people that sit back and think, oh, no, we should just let it all burn down. And in and, 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 and four years later, we can just elect people. That's not how this shit works. People die when you are indifferent to the situation or you want it to get worse in order to bring in your quote unquote revolution this shit is not good you have to care about people or your revolution is for nothing and that's why i listen to people like richard wolf because they care about people because that's what you're doing this shit for but let's continue
0: If there's any lesson of this year, that's the one I would underscore. The next big event happened mostly the last month or two of the year, and I want to talk about it because it's international, as well as here in the United States. There were major popular rebellions against everything I've just said, the deference to private capitalism, allowing the governments of capitalist societies to basically deflect the anger of people suffering low incomes, suffering bad jobs, suffering unemployment, suffering the COVID virus, and it's coming together with the crash of capitalism. The attempt of these governments to deflect people's anger, righteous anger, justified anger, onto some scapegoat. Let me go through the rebellions against that, because they also point to a new future.
1: All right, so this is actually pretty good, because it lets you know that what we are feeling here in America isn't just isolated to us. And um, we're, we're going to actually hear about some of this. So let's, let's, let's go.
0: Masses of people in France are in the streets, as I speak to you, fighting against their kind of Trump-like government president, Macron. He has been doing two things, classic. Deflect the anger of the French over COVID and the economic crash by scapegoating Muslims. That's popular these days. And also by telling people they can't photograph the police when they do misdeeds. And the people are in the streets of France. The, the yellow vest movement is rejuvenated. Mr. Macron is isolated. He's already had to withdraw one of those measures about the police, and it's because of popular rebellion. Masses of people in Poland suffer.
1: So let's let's talk about the yellow vest. Oh, this is fun. This is fucking fun. This is fucking amazing, right? So, um, you know, because you know, people in France actually care about their citizens, you actually have to have a yellow vest, especially when you may have some um, issues in your car, so you carry the shit. And, um, Macron actually tried to put a motherfucking tax, an extra tax on gas, where gas there is, like, in in a lot of um, European countries, are higher than what we pay here. And motherfuckers would sit back in light flares and sit their cars in the middle of the road, and just like, yo, fuck this. Like, that's where the yellow vest movement comes from. The protests. There were protests over George Floyd. There were protests internationally over the fact that cops were just mercilessly killing people here in the US because they're doing it every fucking where they're doing it everywhere it's not just here in the US police brutality is a problem across the fucking globe because of neoliberalism but let's continue
0: economic decline and COVID have decided they don't want the government's punishing of abortion and going to extreme anti-abortion. They're in the streets changing everything. The United States voted out Mr. Trump. And in India, 250 million people staged a general strike on the 26th of November. 250 million. That's three quarters of the population of the United States against Mr. Modi. And I'll have more to say about that. 250 million motherfuckers got together and said, stop fucking us
1: over. Stop fucking us over. And Modi lost his shit. Because here's the thing, when we fucking stand together, if we don't fucking stand together, we will hang separately. And they've been getting that guillot- that, that fucking hangman's noose around our neck for years. But these motherfuckers in India literally said, nah, fuck you, we're not going to work. It got, so, it got so good that the people that were delivering the goods was like, nah, fuck you, we're standing with you. And that's how they forced some fucking change. Well, let's continue
0: on another occasion. We've come to the end of the first part of today's show. Before we move on, our new book, The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself, is out now and available at democracyatwork.info/books. I want to also thank our Patreon community for their invaluable support. And if you haven't already, go to patreon.com slash economic update. Sign up today for access to exclusive content and more. Please stay with us. We will be right back.
1: All right. So, like... I'm going to leave this video right here. This is, just like, one of, like... And this is one of the things that I, I, I fucking... Like, this is one of the reasons why I actually like um, this program. And, I mean, I get it. Like, it's not for everybody. I know a lot of people come to my channel, actually, uh, for me talking about, you know, chuds and shit like that. Um, but, 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 but... These are... These are some things that we always need to actually look at and focus on and actually pay attention to, not just from a way of, I'm on the left. I will admit I'm on the left. And it's not that I'm just on the left because I like to make fun of or laugh at the people on the right. No, I'm on the left because I fucking care about people. I care about your economic needs. I care about my economic needs. I care about the neighbor's the everybody's around us economic needs. And the fact is, the fact is, we we can reach out to conservatives because they have some of the same concerns, but they're governed by a fear that the brown people are gonna take your money. When it's the motherfuckers above us that's taking our money. Oh, but anyway guys, anyway. whoo, I'm sorry. Um I like God, like, one day you're going to see me do a Cornell West video and